Today we're going to be talking about how to learn how to think, and, and I don't mean that quite. I, I, the sales process is um, literally, it's a play. If you can imagine a class play in school or something, and it has several acts or several scenes. And now the good news is somebody has already written the script that you need to do, and now it's our job to memorize that script and where do you go to find that? You know, well, Equus has got a great training um, program, and you heard Connor Jones last week talking. Uh, Connor did not get any help from his dad. And however, he did the same thing everybody else has the opportunity to do. Um, of course, he had been around the business, so he had heard a lot of the stories and so on, but he went straight to the Equus training site and uh, pulled up the training videos. He liked the phone training video that his dad did better than anything else, so that's one he used. Uh, he looked at the different in-home training videos, and he liked the one that his father used, so that's what he did. Now, um, at that time, Cody Beck was an employee of the company and had a chat line, so if you were in the home, you could call uh, Cody, and that's what he used. You know, he would call Cody Beck, and uh, Russ Tessman was um, a friend of, of theirs that he had known for a while, and Russ mentored him a little bit, you know, a little bit on products and how to present numbers and so on, but there wasn't really uh, a lot of support like what you have on this call here today. Now, um, you know, after each appointment that, that he would run, he and Russ then would get together and go over that appointment to figure out what did you do right, what did you do wrong, what could have been done different. And um, it wasn't anything special, but mainly what you realize when you look back at his career is he just did the activity. He had set enough appointments so that when he had a no-show, it was no big deal. If he had enough appointments and had a no-sale, he was off to the next one again. And, he, and the reason I bring that up is each week I hear way too many times, well, Somebody made seven dials or ten dials or eleven dials, and three people didn't answer, two hung up, and they dwell on each and every little negative thing rather than, okay, you know, when you're dialing, say, for example, IPLs, we know that nine out of ten people that we have for an IPL will not set an appointment. So rather than look at the eight that said no and focusing on those, Focus on the fact that I found eight of the t uh, nine that are not going to set appointments and just zero in on the one that did. Um, that's just the nature of our business, guys. And, you know, I, I love Dave Crocker's story because you've been hearing and seeing a lot of what he's done lately on GroupMe and everything, and you think, wow, he is so good. But, see, I remember when Dave started, when he was making 250-plus dials a week to develop his skill set. Now – and this is the goal for everybody on the phone here, guys. <clears throat> now the goal uh, for him, two to three hours on a Saturday, 50 to 75 dials. He's going to set 15 to 20 appointments, and he's going to write five to $10,000 a week in premium. That's just what he does. But he didn't get there overnight. He spent that time buying a bunch of leads. I can't tell you how every week somebody goes in and tries to buy five or 10 A leads and they haven't dialed 
any dials to learn and develop any phone script skills. So these these are the ways you do it by making the dials. You know, now um, this week I had considered redoing podcast 17, which is critical period, or as I refer to refer to it as um, equity protection. And it's on the Sylvester team uh, podcast. So I thought, well, I'm going to go back and listen to it to see what needs to be updated. Well, folks, after listening to it, it doesn't need to be updated. I mean, that thing is absolutely excellent. I mean, I had practiced and rehearsed and done a lot of it, but it is, it's been up for a while. So I'm thinking maybe it needs to be done. It doesn't. You know, uh, that is an excellent scene in our play called Mortgage Protection. You know, um, it's ex- if executed properly, it guys, I'm telling you, it works almost every time. And the reason I know is, one, I used it for a long time, but I still do it when agents are calling me from the home and I walk them through this process so that they can listen and the client. It's amazing when we come up with that, does it make sense to buy enough insurance to pay the house off just so the kids can sell the house. That simple question, I mean, it's like a light goes off and people said, no, that doesn't make any sense. It's amazing how effective that is. Now, why am I focusing on that this morning? Well, 40% of the business we write is equity protection. And without it, or worse yet, you have it and don't perfect it, if you're not using it, you've just taken yourself and given yourself a 40% pay cut. Conversely, if you master it, you've just given yourself a 40% raise. And I prefer to look at it as here's a way for you to get a 40% raise in your commission. Now, how did I really get good at making these type of sales and um, overcoming objections? I'd like everybody on the call today to make a list of your five most heard objections. I won't say hated, but the ones you hear the most. And then ask for help. See, you can take the time, guys, and I don't mind if you don't call. You can take the time to learn how to overcome that objection. It can take a few weeks to a few months, and you'll blow a lot of sales. You will miss a lot of opportunities to help people. And you may not last in the business long enough financially to make this a new career. That's the worst part. Um, And your clients are not being serviced well. So what you do does matter. But my my recommendation is once you've made your list of those objections, then practice overcoming it a few times and call your manager. And just ask them how you're doing. Get, Get somebody in the house there to listen to you. Say, this is an objection I'm hearing. If you gave me that objection, let me overcome it and see how it sounds. Usually it's not going to sound very good. But my point is, let your manager listen to you because, you know, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Um, Go to the Sylvester Team podcast uh, on the training hub there. uh, Focus on, uh, on the Equus training hub, rather, where they've got different podcasts and things listen and guys focus on the training you need and please don't take time to listen to every training those are rabbit trails we can go down and you could spend literally hours per week on things that you are not ready for yet or you don't need yet so focus on the areas where you need help for example 
if you just started with us, you don't need any training on IULs. You don't need any training on uh, advanced markets, annuities, or anything. You need to learn how to make a phone call and set an appointment. You know, when we, you know, I think David last week or two weeks ago laid it out. What do we do? We get leads, we call people, we set appointments, we present numbers, and we write sales. That's it's that simple. Now, what do you fear most? Well, um, see, asking the question of which objection do you ask, just, oh, you just cringe when you get it. Um, and the reason I say that is we all have those, those situations we run up against. See, um, when you get a question in the, phone, in the home that you don't know the answer to, guys, that's a perfect time to transition into a 911. Uh, and before you go out to the house, make a, 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 a text thread with Connie and I and or Johnny or somebody you know in your group that you can text 911 and then call if you haven't gotten a call from them then start down through the list of people to call so that we can help you and just say you know that's a good question let me get a hold of one of my senior underwriters and uh, field underwriters and see what they've got to say about that. Um, I was telling Sonny this, actually I was telling him yesterday, how did I learn to overcome objections? Um, and I'll tell you the, the objection when I first started that I just hated getting because there was no way I could overcome it, and this was it. Well, I'm going to check at work, and I'm going to lead you through the process of how I became good at it and how you think about this because my heart would literally melt because I knew I'm sitting there showing them something for 70 or $80 a month and work insurance is 3 to $5 a week. I didn't understand why it was so cheap. I just knew it was, and there was no way in the world I was ever going to win that. And we used to hear that all the time. Um, People aren't staying on their jobs as much anymore, so we don't hear that objection quite as much now. But if you do, I would venture to say most of you on this call, your, your knees would buckle, and now what do I do? So literally, I took the time and I started researching group insurance. And, of course, first thing I discovered was it goes away when you leave your job. And my answer to it was, well, if you leave your job, you don't have insurance anymore. That never worked. Why doesn't it work? Well, because the client's thinking, I love my job. I'm never going to quit this job. I'm going to be here forever. Um, the other thing that's rattling around in the client's head is they're thinking, that insurance on my job, I just bought 50000 I know it's $3 a week. It's cheap because old George Sellen doesn't get a commission, but Dick does. That's why his is so high. So, guys, they're thinking that. So why not address the elephant in the room? See, um, as that rattle was around in their head, they're now confused trying to figure out why that's so cheap. They just think it's because we're getting the commission. They're not. And anytime somebody's in a confused situation, they're not going to buy anything until it's cleared up. So I set out to develop a system that cleared up the confusion and let them know. And then I actually used it as a way to make more sales. Uh, we used to get about one out of ten sales after we made it, we would get this phone call a week or two later. Well, I've decided to go another direction. When it was came back for a final expense, I'll cover that in a second, 
but when it came back on mortgage protection, literally 98 or 99 percent of the time, that's where they had gone. They had gone to work and gotten a cheaper price. So it became important to overcome that objection before we left the house. You know, if you made the say, hey, have you ever thought about getting more insurance on your job? Well, that's in the back of their mind, guys. So at that point in time, I said, well, let me explain something to you. Buy all you can get without doing blood work because it's so dirt, dirt, dirt cheap, you can't afford not to buy it. Now, it's probably not going to be there when you need it because it's priced and it's designed to go away 11 years before you die. And people would look at you like a deer in the head, like, well, what do you mean? How do they know when I'm going to die? Well, they don't know when you're going to die, but they do know some events will happen in your life that will make you leave your job. Somebody gets cancer and can't work there anymore. I mean, the employer can pay you for a while, but there comes a point in time they can't do that anymore, and you leave. Now, if you ask old George when you buy the insurance on the job, now, George, if I leave, can I take it with me? And George is always going to say yes. Why is he going to do that? Because you can take it with you. And um, group plans are designed. You're allowed to keep them for either 11, or 13 months or 18 months. That's the way it's designed. And it's priced that way. So it's priced and designed to go away before you need it. It's priced and designed to allow you to keep it for 13 to 18 months. But when you leave, it's no longer priced as a group plan. So you come out of the group it's priced as a standalone, and it's real high because they assume you're sick. And the goal is to price it high enough, most of you will drop it. But the few of you that do keep it, then it's priced with the idea that it's only going to be here for 13 months. So if you live 13 months in a week, there's no insurance. So you've wasted all that high premium. So I literally set out to point out to people that I developed a situation where I would tell them um, to overcome this objection, I would overcome it. In fact, I got so good at it, I was telling Sonny this week, I got so good at it, I literally would bait the people to, to bring up the idea that they were going to go to their job. Why did I do that? Well, one, I wanted to get the elephant out of the room and address it, so I wasn't going to get that phone call in two weeks or next week, well, I've decided to go a different direction. I didn't want that phone call. And I wanted them to know that the price of it is so good, but most people want a plan that's going to be there when they need it. And that phrase right there, guys, has made a ton of money for me, but that's kind of how I walk through it. So I'm sharing all this with you with the idea and the hope that whatever three or four objections you just hate to get because you don't know how to overcome it, that you'll sit down, get in touch with us. First off, go to the, the Sylvester Training um, podcast, the Sylvester Team podcast, because there's probably a podcast in there that's dealing with what you're talking about. You know, there's one in there, what do we know about our clients? Well, we know they have a job. We know they have between a 1% and 2% of the face amount of the mortgage available every year in discretionary income. And that podcast lays out who our competition is. And most of us on the call are thinking our competition is other insurance companies or other insurance agents, and it's not. By the time we get to a lot of the clients and they say we can't afford it, guys, unfortunately, they can't. Why not? Because 
<coughs> excuse me, Chemlon got a hold of them. ADT Security Systems got a hold of them. The new furniture companies got a hold of them. And the list goes on. Cable companies got a hold of them. And that $3,000 a year, 1% of a $300,000 mortgage, that $3,000 a year or $250 a month has been gobbled up by somebody else. And it goes in that podcast to point out to you, again, I used to hate that when people would tell me they couldn't afford it. So I developed a system to overcome that, and I would just ask him. I said, these things are all important. But in four years from now, if George doesn't come home because of a car wreck or a heart attack, which one of these four things is going to allow you to stay in the house? Is the cable TV going to keep you in the house? No. Is the new furniture going to keep you in the house? No. Is ADT going to keep you in the house? No. The only one that's going to keep you in the house is one you're not buying, the mortgage protection. So what I'm trying to do is get people, and I used to hate to get that, so I developed a system to overcome it. And those, those uh, podcasts are available for each of you to learn, and each of you can learn how to re-script that scene in the play so that you now can overcome that and, and win and beat that. Now, the, I, I made a comment a moment ago that I wanted to come back to uh, the final expense. One of the things when you hear this, when you sell a final expense for, uh, for uh, equity protection and you get this phone call, well, we've decided to go another direction. Guys, I'm telling you, most of the time, if not 98% of the time, it's this reason. They got something through the mail. Now, who do we sell uh, final expense to for equity protection? People over 50. If you're on this call and you're over 50, or you've been around your parents and they're over 50, they are getting something from AARP and Colonial Pen all the time. And AARP and Colonial Pen are 20 to 30% less than what you just sold them, a ten dollars or $15,000 equity protection plan. Why is that? I never could figure it out. Finally, I sat down and I took the time and analyzed the flyers that people get. And in the flyer for Colonial Pen, it says um, protection to age 80. What it is in insurance language and what we do, it's a five-year banded term product that goes to age 80. Well, what in the world does that mean? It means the premium is based and priced Every five years, when your birthday is divisible by five, it's five-year banded. It's priced to go up. When you're, so if you buy it at age 52, it's going to be a lot less expensive for them to buy an AARP or Colonial Pen plan at age 52 than what you can sell them one for. But at 55, the price goes up. It stays the same until age 60. At 60, the price goes up again. At 65, it goes up again. At 70, it goes up again, 75, but at age 80, it's gone. So they are not insuring people on a permanent basis. Your plan is going to what? Be there until you need it. So I never left the house, guys, and we've sent these out dozens of times. I never left the house without having that with me because people believe about 10% of what we tell them, but they believe 90% of what we tell them and show them. So I would pull those things out and just read there. 
Premiums based on age at issue. Premiums increase as you enter each new five-year band. Premiums are not guaranteed. And then on the previous page, it says coverage to age 80. I would show them that. So I never got those phone calls. Well, we've decided to go a different direction. Why not? Because I took care of business. I learned how to script that scene of the play so that I never had to go back and, and run into that situation. So the purpose in today's call was to teach you that our play has a lot of different scenes. And what we need to do is when, uh, and what brought this up yesterday, Sonny was in the house, and uh, it was a critical period, a 70-some-year-old lady, and he asked the question, well, who's going to get the house, the kids? What are they going to do? Well, are they going to move into it or sell it? He was expecting them to say they're going to sell it. And she goes, oh, my kids are moving into the house. <laughs> well, he hadn't prepared for that part of the scene, uh, so we went over that. And But he had prepared to give you a call, which is great. He did, and he called me afterwards. We went over it and discussed it. So now um, you, you need to start practicing that. What are you going to say if they say, well, my kids are going to move into it? You know, uh, well, when your kids move into the house, are they going to need maybe some money to kind of paint it, fix it up a little bit, and get it going? Because obviously, a ten or fifteen thousand dollar house or amount of insurance is not going to pay the mortgage down much, but it is going to fix it up. Now, in the situation with Sunny yesterday, the guy needs to sell his house. Well, the mother wants him to sell his house now, so he'll move in with her now to help take care of her. So our script really wasn't suited for her. You know, you just run into those once in a while. But in most situations, we are in a position to go through this, learn the script, and know what we're going to say to people when, when it comes up then.